Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome, welcome to the 909 podcast this week. It's Niall and Andrea here with your weekly dose of what's happening in new music. And what's going on in new music? We're going to talk about some releases and uh, a, a big one this week. And uh, we'll have some songs of the week. We'll also have an interview with Dermot Kennedy, the um, Irish uh, singer-songwriter who's been blowing up yep. in the last couple of years. Um, that voice you hear uh, opposite me and in your left and right speakers is Andrea Cleary. Hello. How are we? We're good. I'm a bit freaked out today. Um, there's been a balloon in the office <laughs> that keeps <laughs> reappearing. Well, I, I have yet to see the balloon. Well, it's downstairs at the moment. I'm mm. going to keep an eye on it. Um, there's a fir- there's a first birthday uh, like helium balloon that it, the helium is going out of, and it floated through the window of sake. one of the guys uh, downstairs uh, and through the window through the window no, while that, the window no. was open. So it just keeps finding its way in different places. I found it in the toilet, like. Hovering over the toilet <laughs> yesterday, I took it out, moved it elsewhere, and then it was downstairs. No, you're gonna just have to burn the building down. Apparently, it flew in and out of the window. It was like it came in and then it flew out again, and then no. it came in again. So no. I don't know if <laughs> if this, it's like a bit of a Stephen King novel, right? It's yeah. like there's something wrong and 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 gross happening, and and it's ominous, and uh, I don't know what I don't what like a it. Means I went for lunch today, and. Um, I walked in to Eddie Rockets at lunchtime and there was a clown, like a clown statue thing. And when I walked in, it started like mechanically laughing. And I was like, <laughs> Halloween is my favorite time of year. But if we're going to be doing freaky clowns and spooky balloons and stuff, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel. Yeah, I think um, I, I like horror films and stuff, but I, I, I don't watch them that often. Yeah, but I'm mean, watching the the Netflix series, The House. Of the House and I, I've just started reading Haunting the book. of Hill House. Haunting Hill House. It's the not house. that it's not that scary, but it, because it's a, a TV series, your kind of guard goes down a little bit. Sometimes yeah. you're like, oh, I what's have going on? Started reading the book, 
uh, House on Haunted Hill is the name of it. Um, yeah, I started reading the book last night and um, yeah, it, it's it's a spook. It's a spook for sure. So hopefully I'll finish it and then I can watch it this weekend, which is just basically in, Halloween Just in time weekend. for Halloween. Just in time for Halloween, just to freak myself the hell out. Basically. Well, mm. there's other gruesomes going on, going on in the world of music at the moment. Um, Fleetwood Mac were announced for a new uh, a gig in the RDS yeah. Open Air next year on June 13th. And um, they played here a number of times in the last couple of years. I saw them the first time they came back for the three in there for two nights and they were brilliant um, but of course this being Fleetwood Mac nothing is as simple or as um, pleasant as it as it could be um, Lindsay Buckingham is no longer in the band he's been replaced by Neil Finn who uh, people would know from Crowded House mm-hmm. kind of an awkward job to fill I mean he's going to have to play some serious chops like I mean Good God, I, I haven't seen Fleetwood Mac uh, like ever. Um, they're still and they're, they're Yeah, still like they're brilliant. one of my favourite bands. I like I they're constantly on rotation for me. And um I am really excited and, and I will go to the gig, but I'm like, ah, oh, Lindsay though, you know. Yeah. But so um if you don't know what's going on is that um Lindsay Buckingham began legal proceedings against the band after being fired from from them earlier this year. Mm. He was removed uh, just days before they were honoured at a benefit concert in New York City in April. Um, <laughs> so the whole thing is that Buff- Buckingham offered his take on the firing uh, very recently in the Rolling Stone magazine, claiming that he was told by the band's ma- manager Irving Azoff that uh, Sticky- Stevie Nicks never wants to be on stage with you ever again. No, everyone would know they have a contentious enough relationship and there's been a lot of... Um, Relationships in the band itself. There, over there, the years. there have been some some rumors. Yeah, <laughs> nice <laughs> points. Um, <laughs> Us Weekly um, uh, said that uh, Buckingham's manager informed the musician that Fleetwood Mac would proceed with its upcoming and already organized 2018-2019 concert tour without him, and that not a single member of the band had spoken to him directly about the decision. Um, and then he's decided to sue his former bandmates for fiduciary duty, I can't say that word, breach of oral contract and intentional interference with a prospective economic advantage. What this comes back to is actually that uh, he wanted to release a solo album and asked them to push their tour back. They mm. said no. And then he he says he offered to agree to uh, delay the release of his album. I mean, he's later told by the manager he would not be joining the tour and they all cut him off, apparently. Aww. So, in a new statement, the band spokesperson person uh, Kristen Foster has disputed his claims adding that uh, Fleetwood Max looks forward to their day in court Jesus see you Christ. in court Lindsay I, I miss the days when they'd have like animosity in the band and they'd write an album like rumours yeah, and, and not that, just have just spats age? like yeah, yeah. Like, um, oh, it's a bit depressing but uh, it is a little bit depressing but you know I it's, just keep thinking of uh, like uh, Bill Hader as Lindsay Buckingham in Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can think of. He's, <laughs> He's like, very good. Come on, come on, Lindsay. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so uh, hmm, that's a Fleetwood Mac gig yeah, on sale today, actually. On um, sale so today. I'm sure 80 quid, I think. 80 quid is a lot. For an outdoor yeah. gig. Yeah. How do you feel about outdoor gigs? Uh, in June? Mm. Probably okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah. I'm not, no, I don't know. Not, I'd rather I'd rather see them in the three arena. Me too. Which I have done. Yeah. And with Lindsay. So well, I guess you know, that's kind there's, of a, there's no need to brag. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of a pretty shitty bit of a shitty offering, you know, like, you know, especially in the being here. It's like 
if, if Sheik with Nile Rogers turned up without Nile Rogers all of a sudden you're like yeah. hold on a second yeah I like I wouldn't be surprised if Nile Rogers just showed up at the Fleetwood Mac gig to be honest yeah. <laughs> he seemed to be on all the other yeah, ones yeah. Um, apparently his drummer lives here that's why he's here a lot oh um, is that why did yeah. we find we got to the bottom of it there yeah, we Ralph go Ralph Roll lives here he ah. also makes cookies okay very nice cookies there indeed <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Fleetwood Mac were always called Fleetwood Mac because I know that there are some bands who used to have different names. That was the, that, oh, that was my that, that was I my see, slick. Uh, I see what's going on here. So, I have five questions for you. Each okay, question has right. an A, B, or C answer. All right. Okay. And I'm going to ask you. Well, no, um, I'm going to be found out now. I'm, go, I'm, I'm going to give you a band name, okay. and I'd like you to tell me which band that band name then became. Let the record be shown that Andre is putting me on the spot here. Yeah, I'm totally putting you on the spot here. Okay, so. I have not seen these questions. <laughs> She's trying to uh, ruin my reputation. I am, I am. <laughs> so, no, these are hopefully ones that you won't know, but I'd like you to guess. Okay. So, Cara's Flowers. Cara's Flowers. K-A-R-A apostrophe S. Flowers. Terrible name for a band. Is this the, ba- the original band name of A, the Coronas? B, plain white tees, or C, maroon five. It really could be any of them. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like all of them um, match. They all have um, not great names. Um, okay, I'm going to say time wise, I'm going to say maroon five just because, I don't know, timing wise, Caris Flower is a bit like. Six pence on the richer, and then we were around a little bit after that. Well, ding, ding, ding. Correct. You get Ooh. one point. Congratulations. He breathes again. Next question Sweet Children. Again, another terrible name for a band. Is it A, <laughs> Sonic Youth, B, The Offspring, or C, Green Day? Well, The Offspring makes sense in a way. In a way. Maybe I put it in there to throw What's it you. Called? Sweet children. Sweet children. Or are they inspired by um, Guns N' Roses, by any chance? Maybe. Bad yeah. Name. Oh, yeah. God, I never. I didn't think of that. Okay. I should have put Guns N' Roses in there somewhere. I'm just gonna go with the Offspring. Eh, Green Day. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how much better Green Day is, but there we go. It's stuck though. Yeah. Next question. So you've got one point of a possible two. Gamma Ray. G A M M A. Or A-Y, Gamma Ray. Is this the original band name of A, Pavement, B, Queens of the Stone Age, or C, Radiohead? It's not Radiohead. It's not Radiohead. (laughs) Um, I had a feeling you'd know that it wasn't Radiohead. What was the first band you said? Pavement. See, this is like, Gamma Ray sounds like, it does sound like a 90s indie rock band. Mm. Uh, And I don't think Queens of the Stone Age were called anything else other than... Caius or uh, what they were before. Uh, so I'm going to say A. You are wrong. It ah. is Queens of the Stone Age. Heck yeah. Yeah. Again. Up yours, Josh Hammond. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this next one is odd. Um, Polka Tolk Blues Band. Okay. Is this the original name of A, Kiss, B, Black Sabbath, C, Primal Scream? You really get me with these. I know. Um, <laughs> I'd say the most obvious one for me here, if I was, I'm guessing, I am guessing. Is this your final answer? Yeah. Okay. Primal Scream. 
You are incorrect. Ah, it is Black Sabbath. I just the only one that's close, yeah. really Polka close to Tulk blues. Blues Band. Yeah, all right. Like, I don't know how you go from Polka Tulk Blues Band to, oh, do you know what might be better? Black Sabbath. Like, one of the best band names of all time. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, your final Not question. Well this question I will award five points. <laughs> you don't <laughs> you need to feel sorry right. for me. It's fine. It's no, fine. this is everything to play for. These are good questions, though. Thank you. Starfish. Is this the original band name of A, Earth, Wind and Fire, B, Paramore, or C, Coldplay? Oh, God. Band names are terrible. That's all I'm learning from this. Aren't they? Even um, the ones that are real, I'm like, huh, how'd you, how'd you get there? Starfish. Okay. Starfish. All one word, if that helps. Yeah. It doesn't. Probably doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, oh, God, it's either B or C, I think. I don't know, though. Earth, Wind um, and Fire, Paramore or Coldplay? I mean, it could be any of them. They're really good. They're all shit. It's only names. one though. Okay, I'm just going to say Paramore. Why not? You are incorrect. Ah, it was it Earth, Wind and Fire. Coldplay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Starfish. I thought, I thought you were trying to give me a hint there. <laughs> uh, you have come out of, that, uh, out of a possible 10 points. You have scored one point. Oh, sorry. What? One yeah. out of five. That's yeah. all I got. Yeah, I, off- I offered five points for the oh, last one there. So um, I don't um, know if my maths is correct one there. One out of nine then, right? But uh, yeah, um, let, let us know how you did. I have a question for you. I have oh, a question God. for you. Oh, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, you know the, uh, the song popularized by Nathan Carter, uh, Rock Me Mama? Oh, the, yeah. That's one of my... Who was the original singer of that song? Rock Me Mama. Who was credited with the original? Is this a surprising answer? Uh, maybe it's not like Black Sabbath, is it? <laughs> it's not that random. <laughs> Rock me, mama. No, it it's going to be some country music artist, is it? Okay, maybe, maybe you, not. Hmm. You, no, it's probably not. I don't know. Uh, Maroon Five. <laughs> I'm going to get the actual like just up here, just so I can give you the actual answer because I wasn't planning on asking you this. Okay. Um, yeah, this so, is this is off the cuff. Yeah. So I only heard this over the weekend because we were talking about the popularity of um, Nathan Carter and the song Wagon Wheel and where it comes I hate from. I hate that song. Yeah, so, you're not going to play it, are you? No, I'm definitely okay, not. Thank you. So the song it, it was co-written by Bob Dylan and oh, no. Old Crow Medicine Show Catch Secor. It was originally uh, written 25 years ago and uh, by Dylan. He, what? Rec- he recorded the chorus. <gasps> And, uh, the chorus is the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Old Crow Medicine Show uh, added verses 25 years later. Oh my God. And that only came out in 20, 2004, originally. So, I'm genuinely shocked. He wrote that song. He wrote that uh, Rock Me Mama Like a Wagon Wheel um, lines on the chorus. So there you go. That's one of my least favourite, like not even songs, just like things that exist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that song along with like Spirit in the Sky? Can't explain why, but just hate those songs. Yeah, I get that. Um, I think rock, yeah, Wagon Wheel is one of those songs that like, oh God, I hate music. Yeah. <laughs> Never <laughs> like liked music. Really bad. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of it. <laughs> we, we need to bring, bring in some kind of law. Yeah. Okay. Jesus, Dylan. Oh. Well, I'm glad I had, had one, something to come back to you there with. No, oh, thank um, you very much. Randomly. I'm in a bad mood now. <laughs> uh, was there any good music release there this week? Something in no. today. That no. Is, uh, <laughs> no sure. good music um, it is by an artist called Robin who we would know very, very, very well, is their eighth studio album. Um, it is called Honey. And here is a listen to one of the songs from it. This is called Missing You. 
from uh, her eighth album which is out today it is called Honey and uh, it's her first album since 2010 a lot has happened in the world of Robin right Andrea? Oh yeah for sure Um, mostly in the world of Robin fans who have been just not showing up to work not getting out of bed not doing anything until she releases this damn album and the day has come and um, it's good Okay, spoiler alert, it's good. Is it's, that good. it's good. It's <laughs> good. Okay. It's very good, uh, in my opinion. Uh, what do you make of it? Um, well, let me give you some background into it first. It's, um, it was features collaborations with Joseph Mount of Metronomy, um, her, uh, Adam Bainbridge of, of the band Kindness, who features a lot on Blood Orange's stuff and has worked with Robin before. Robin was on his album, actually. Um, Class Allen, who I think is one of the guys who uh, she has worked with for a long time. Mr. Top Hat and Zala are also on it. Um, It is certainly not a return to um, the Robin of old, I think is fair to say. Um, Well, it's not three albums in six months. That's true. Um, At first, it's a bit jarring because you're like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting at mm. all. And and I think she did, Robin did uh, uh, presage this a little bit by saying that, you know, Missing You is not really representative of the album. Yeah. And that is totally true. Uh, in the way that if you're expecting Robin pop bangers and uh, nine tracks in, uh, in a row, you're not going to get it in mm. the same way. It is an album where um, Robin peels back the layers and you see Robin, the person, a bit more. It is, uh, a lot of the album seems to be, and it, I think it's pretty much established at this point, is that it is um, uh, basically uh, the jumping off point for the album and the starting of the album itself was the death of her frequent collaborator, Christian Falk. Um, Robin had worked with Falk uh, from pretty much from the beginning. He has credits on her 1995 album. And uh, he died of cancer um, about in 2015, uh, 2014. Um, and just before that, Robin and another friend, Marcus Jaggerstead, formed La Bagatelle Magique with Falk and they released an EP. Uh, one of the few things that Robin did in the eight years that she was away. Um, and it partly, there was a planned tour of this project, but uh, Robin found the songs too painful to sing live. Yeah. And um, so it seems a lot of it was she's been dealing with um, the death of a friend and grief and loss. And there's a lot of that in this album. Yeah. There's a lot of it all the way through. Um, it's like the pain of all that is felt. And Robin has always been somebody who's written about pain, but a very like visceral pain. And it's usually 
uh, pain from relationships or you know love and all that kind of stuff so it's kind of this is seem feels like a different vibe in that way it's like it taking her songwriting inspirations and her productions from something that is you know some a hollow thing that has has been taken from her life and yeah. so in that way it feels a lot more somber it feels a lot more experimental it feels a lot more a um, lot less in your face yeah i think it's fair to say i agree um, I mean, it do, it's not like it doesn't have its moments. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not, this isn't an album that isn't, is just, you know. Um, it's not Mount Deary. <laughs> that's, that's what I was looking for. I was like, what was that? Oh, yeah. Mount yeah, Deary. It's, it's not, not that. It's not like painful to listen to and uncomfortable, mm. no. uh, uncomfortably intimate. It's Robin, Robin doing what she does in her own way, but writing about and debt and uh, mm. things like that and loss in a way that still makes sense in the Robin canon. Absolutely, yeah. It it feels like a logical place for her to kind of come from or for her to approach these feelings from. Like, it's still obviously very... Like, Ro- Robin has always been, for me, the uh, the epitome of that meme, which is, why am I crying in the club right now? Um, it's, on the one hand she can get across complex and deep feelings in a lyric that it's it's just so quick and feels off the cuff and it summarizes kind of a lot of complex stuff and then on the other hand it's it's the kind of music that you dance to to forget and there's a lot of that on here and you can kind of tell that there's 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 a lot of songs on here that are feel like escape for her. Um, the the more kind of club heavy ones later on in the album feel that way. Missing you is obviously straight up just emotion. Um, and yeah, I th- I think she approaches the subject with uh, of, of of death and of loss with a, a, a kind of delicacy that it shows. It's 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 odd to say that it shows maturity because I mean this is her eighth album she's been around forever, but it it kind of points to her still learning more about how, how to express com- complex things in music, and I think that it's a really nice progression for her to kind of go to. There was a great um, line in that Guardian um, l- long uh, form uh, interview with her about uh, age and uh, talking about how you know she's basically forty now and. Mm. Uh, there was a line talking about how you know the youth, uh, youthful vigor of a pop star is is uh, an asset that people want to have and want to be close to, but the real um, emotional weight comes from age and experience. Yeah, and there are not many artists who get to do what they want to do on their own terms and um, write about what they want to write and do it in their own way. Yeah, and rather than Robin going and making a acoustic album because she feels like she has to bear her soul that's never what she was going to do no. um, there's a lot of house music on this as well there's a lot of references and uh, like two songs in particular um, Santa Robin immediately has a a beat that's very much like Little Louis French Kiss the old uh, house tune that slows down and has loads of moaning mm. in it but has a very similar vibe to that um, I think it's Beach uh, 2K20 I think is the one that has the crystal I th- yeah. Between the Lines which one is it one of those tracks has a Between the Lines is is a really kind of housey yeah, sound it sounds like uh, Gyp- uh, Gypsy Woman um, uh, the Crystal Waters track from the early 90s a lot in that um, for sure um, so that's what I mean like you know I think 
you know, Robin is showing um, a humanity that, not that she's never shown, but it's just a different side to her. And it still is able to find that kind of solace in her music. There's mm. You get that a lot. There's a lot of, like, we, you would often, like I've said it before, and I'm sure other people have, like, Robin's music was often about dancing away pain. Yeah. Um, but here it's like a quieter kind of um, dancing. It's kind of a... It's like informed by disco and house and all that kind of stuff, but it's also informed by her experience. And in that way, I feel like there's a lot of euphoria still in the music, you know, yeah. in the production. And um, it's not, it, at first listen, I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. The more I listen to it now, the more I've kind of gone, yeah, I think this is the album she needed to make. And it's an album that I don't think people will be massively disappointed by in any way. I think No, it's, I don't think so. It, yeah, but there's a lot on those songs that they're definitely informed by house and disco. And, um, you know, Robin is an artist that makes music on her own terms. And that's what I that's what people like about her as well. You know, yeah. she's never been one to um, bow to the industry. And she has always loved dance music and dancing, the act of dancing itself. And there's a lot of that in this album. And I think that's her identity. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, one that you're going to find yourself probably going back to an awful lot more maybe in terms of because it does have that emotional weight and it doesn't feel like it feel it does you do feel the the weight of what she's talking about and, mm. and um the only thing is I think anyone who's expecting nine tracks of like Dancing uh, on my own. Yeah, Dancing yeah. on my own are gonna be very disappointed by it. Yeah. But I think like talking about her her as uh, as like a as a pop star um, it is interesting to see her approach kind of maturity and age in the way that she is, because when you look at other artists who or, or other f- female pop stars specifically who like Rob- Robin is coming up to 40 now. And so if you think about like what Madonna was doing at 40, it's reinvention. And like when you think about what all these pop stars are doing at that age, it's about kind of reinventing and rediscovering them- themselves and their sound whereas with Robin she's just sort of saying no well I, I I know myself and that comes with maturity and that comes with experience and I'm just going to like express what I've kind of experienced in the way that I know best and I think that there's a lot to be said for that for her like you said not coming out with the acoustic album or not coming out with 10 tracks of absolute like dance floor bangers um, just because she can, because there's no, there's no doubt that she can write, she, she can write 10, like. No, yeah. And she, even that, that EP, the, the, uh, the Bagatelle uh, Magique was, had a lot of bangers on it. She also did tracks with, um, <clears throat> what you call them? Um, the band begin or uh, Reichsop yeah. as well. In yeah, that, yeah. In the interim that were yeah. like huge. Oh, her work with them um, was un- unbelievable. Like, like Very high tempo buyers, yeah. for one of a better yeah, word. Yeah, so, so she's she's well able to do it, but I think that this is a kind of a while while the music still it still bangs, it still goes hard. Um, there's a gentler kind of perspective that I think just comes with um, experience and maturity. And it's a very nice kind of um, like so. I I was listening to the Empress of album. Um, kind of in, in tandem with this during the week. And I enjoyed that album, but sort of comparing the two perspectives was very interesting because you're seeing somebody at like, you know, the pretty much like the start of what's going to be a, a big career, I think. And then somebody who is 
like two decades down the line from there or three decades down the line from there and realizing that there isn't really that much of the perspective that Robin is giving in terms of female artists. We've a lot of male artists who are in their late thirties and forties and fifties who are singing about maturity and singing about kind of loss and grief from that perspective and not a whole lot of female artists who are doing it, let alone doing it in the way that Robin is. So yeah. I, I think I, I think that this is an album definitely for the fans, but for people who are looking to kind of get into it, there's at least at least four tracks on this that you can play into club. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's if you're a fan of Robin, you're going to really really like this. Yeah, I, I kind of disagree with the with the club sentiment. Really? Uh, just because I think on tempo alone, it probably doesn't uh, match that. Like Missing You, for sure, you could, and Honey and Some Nights. But uh, there's a lot here maybe you couldn't really. There's a few others, yeah, for sure. But anyway, that's not really what this album is about, is the, yeah, is the point. True. You know? Yeah, true. I think Take It On Its Own Terms as an album, it works really, really, really well. And it's Robin at her most soul-bearing, mm. and it feels totally her thing and totally unique to her and yeah. I think that's all we can ever ask for somebody to be um, especially now you know like there's a lot of pop music out there and there's a lot of it it is inconsequential and Robin isn't one of those artists and never has no. been no so uh, it's great to have her back yeah absolutely I wonder will we get any live gigs as part of that that would be nice that would be unreal saw her a couple of times over the years and she is an incredible performer mm. absolutely incredible mm. and a great dancer as well as, oh yeah as we she's apparently taking um, flamenco samba samba, samba is it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, she she takes lessons in her living room which is just great <laughs> <laughs> which is so late 30s like I love that yeah. Okay, that is Robin, and we both agree it is a very good album and uh, one you should definitely check out um, this week. It's out tomorrow on Friday. Um, this is uh, the other single that was released from it. This is uh, Honey. Every colour and every taste, every breath it whispers your name, it's like rose on the pavement. Every colour and every taste, every breath it whispers your name, it's like rose on the pavement. Some kind of flower stuck in bitter strands of saliva Won't you give me right where the hurt is? At the heart of some kind of flower stuck in bitter strands of saliva Won't you give me right where the hurt is? the week from Robin it is Honey um, long awaited uh, return for her and uh, definitely uh, recommended from us so do check that out Robin Honey um, up next we have an interview with an Irish artist who has been blown up in the last couple of years his name is Dermot Kennedy 
He has an interesting story because he began his career sort of away from the spotlight and certainly away from radio and media here. Um, he was a busker on Grafton Street who loved the frames and uh, found a path for himself that didn't involve what most artists now seek or generally uh, the path they go through, whether it's radio or press or TV. Um, he basically did really well on Spotify uh, picked up a manager very early on before his uh, big tracks were released and uh, developed a sound that is informed by singer-songwriters like Glenn Hansard and The Frames and Ben Howard, who he mentions in this as well, um, but also has a lot of hip-hop um, production uh, techniques and stuff like that in his uh, songs. Uh, he has a number of really impressive songs to me that uh, uh, turned my ears um when he released the Moments Past and Glory last year in particular are two songs which really, really stand out. He just released a new song called Power Over Me and uh, he's been basically touring non-stop since uh, pretty much the end of last year. He has not stopped and he's not stopping until December. He's all over the world, Australia and uh, the US and doing tours in Europe and uh, just announced he's, uh, well, I spoke to him this week um, just before uh, his second gig in Vicar Street, he came into the office and for a chat. Um, but he's also playing the Olympia Theatre, two dates next year, 13th and 14th of May. And uh, yeah, Dermot came in and had a chat. And here is that chat. Dermot Kennedy, welcome along to the 909 podcast. Great to have you in. Thank you. How's it going? You're in between two solo shows in Figure Street right yes. now. Yeah. And uh, you're just saying, you spent a lot of time touring in the last while, like big time. Uh, yeah, I think the first kind of, we tour, well, the first tour we did, like first kind of proper extensive tour was last autumn. And then um, at the beginning of this year, we kind of went from early January until early April. And we did Europe, UK, Ireland, all of America, and then we went straight to Australia and did a bunch of dates there. And uh, so that was kind of like, <clears throat> after that, I felt like if I was good after that, I'd be like, okay, to kind of just hit the road for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and is it proven that way? Yeah, for sure, yeah. And even this run isn't like, we're about to go to America, and uh, and the schedule there is a bit more chilled out than that. So, uh, okay. yeah, it'll be good, yeah. But um, you played, like, last time I saw you, well, one of the times I saw you recently was in the Button Factory last year, around this time. Yes, yeah, yeah. How has your show, like, changed? How do you feel like the audience has, has reacted to you? Because, I mean, there it was particularly, it felt early days yeah, for, yeah. as an artist, but mm -hmm. you clearly had huge fans. Yeah, that's the thing, and, and it's funny because... Because, say, the live thing for me, like, for quite a while there was, like, way ahead of everything else I was doing. Like, even in terms of, like, artwork and releases and stuff we had set up, it was, like, live was ahead of everything. And uh, and so you don't want it to be, like, underwhelming for anybody who goes to see it. And then you kind of, like, miss that opportunity to have, like, like, say, a really good touring career. So you want it to be, like, of a high standard. But it's funny, too, because when you're touring all the time, things get better. 
without you really noticing, you know what I mean? And like, like I can't remember. I was thinking about it last night, actually, before Vicar Street. I was thinking, like, I remember one of those Button Factory shows was, like, probably one of my favorite in a long time. But, uh, but probably wouldn't even compare to, like, things that are my favorite now. So, like, it's funny because, like, it definitely changes so much over time, but you don't really notice it happening, you know what I mean? You just play it, and it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. Because even uh, my booking agent came over last night, and he was in London as well, and he, like he's a good gauge a because he's really honest and b because he kind of sees it a few times every year and uh so and he was kind of saying yeah it's come on an awful lot now so like it's something that i don't notice but yeah. it, like it just happens over time you I feel guess. it yeah so you started uh as a busker really around graven street like many people um how when you when you go out and do gigs now do you feel like that um experience stands to you do you draw from that in some way um I'm not sure. It probably instills some things in me that definitely help, like not being nervous and kind of like giving you a certain sort of like toughness. And if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, because that's what busking is, I guess. Like some people can hate it. And and in that scenario, they just keep walking. And I mean, you have days when you were playing on Grafton Street where literally people just pass you by all day. And uh, and you got to get okay with that happening. And so... Uh, it helps for shows, but yeah, I mean, I think it, I think in one way it did change things is that I, uh, I think it affected my songwriting in a way in that okay. like, there's a lot of stuff in my set now that's quite like high up in my register and is quite like high intensity. And I think that comes from potentially like trying to grab people's attention and trying to be the loudest thing in the street. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that chilling out. Too. Yeah. You can belt it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is a good thing, but it's like, you get like you got to have your like delicate moments too. Yeah. You've talked about Glenn Hanser being an inspiration and also an early supporter. Yeah. Um, how, what is it about the frames and Glenn Hanser music that really does it for you? Uh, yeah. Cause I guess, I mean, obviously like Glenn's whole career is just kind of really inspirational to me, but it was the frames. It was like the first music that I was like, I'm really, really into this. And, I think uh, a lot of Irish people have. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Beyond, you know? Yeah. And it was, um, I remember they did, there was like a Halloween show they did that was on TV and they were like playing in the middle of a room and they all had the masks on and stuff. And <clears throat> I couldn't even tell you. It was like, it was like just his sort of storytelling and his songs and uh, just the sort of way he delivered them was just super, super inspirational to me. And then, and I kind of realized, because I don't even, I hadn't even really been playing the guitar for a while uh, when I saw that. And so it wasn't even necessarily me being like, I love this music, mm -hmm. I love this band. It was like, I love the energy of this, like, of this sort of just like performance and uh, made me fall in love with the idea of having a violin in a band and, and all that kind of thing. I just thought, I just thought the way he told stories in his songs and the way he got mm -hmm. them across was just the best thing I'd seen, yeah. She's singing to me, glory. 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 You moved from the 
the busking songwriter to something that uh, with glory for me is something that has a freshness to it that is uh-huh. not many, many people have. There's like an intensity to the production. There's drama to the production. Right. Your voice and your songs yeah, and your yeah. lyrics really fit into that mold and you have you end up with something that's very unique. Right. I think so. Can you talk to me a bit about the production for that song and, and that process those kind of like you know you've got the low end mm-hmm. um, sure yeah yeah so talk to me a bit about that because you know you can start as a songwriter but that has something different to it that you've brought on since then totally yeah and and um i guess the challenge for me in that is to try and take whatever exists from the busky acoustic side of things and keep that connection you can sort of like create with people and, and let it exist within that bigger production and try and keep it kind of heavy and emotional and and um, and it yeah, it was just like that. Just started off with a guitar part, and we just pitched it down an octave, and uh, and it just yeah, it just it felt really good instantly. And then we we just started playing around with like it was me and this guy Stephen Cosmenuk in Toronto. We were making it, and um, and yeah, we just we like got a bunch of like choir samples, and we were just playing with, and it just started to sound really epic, and yeah, and it was. It was really good for me because it was like an exercise in kind of like not getting in my own way and not letting my sort of like ego and like the acoustic sort of thing like override everything and being afraid of things. And then I came out with something I was really excited about and uh, and something I was just really, really happy with. And um, yeah, it just felt. And, and then it's it's just like it changes everything then because even live it feels so good to play that song and especially the drum part. And yeah. it's just like... Like Mihal, our drummer, who you know, I think he just, he's just yeah. like flat out in that song. So, but yourself and Mihal were in a band together. Yeah, for uh, yeah, we were in a band called Shadows and Dust for like four years, I think. I did like the acoustic solo thing for like a couple of years when I was much younger, and then we did the band, and then I yeah. stopped and started doing this. Yeah, so nice to have your have your mate along. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and it's it, and it's easy. such a good drummer as well. Yeah, and it's easily kind of taken for granted, but it's like I can imagine in this sort of scenario I'm in where like some of your songs start to do some things and then like I think it's built up around you and it's like here's your drummer here's like these players and I'd say it can be easy to kind of like for it to kind of it's always been like my worst fear for it to seem like me plus session musicians I hate that I always I always liked the Ben Howard thing because it uh it just seemed like they were a band and Ben Howard was the name of the poster but they all were friends who played together and uh and so I always wanted that, and um, <clears throat> Michal was a huge thing in that. And, um, yeah, it made a massive difference because whatever vibe me and him have and whatever exists between us, even, like, as one more person got added and another, they just kind of fit into that perfectly. And it, and it, and it didn't happen, thankfully, but I could imagine it would be quite obvious if yeah. it did, if someone just wasn't on the same kind of wavelength. And so... Yeah, it, it it kind of is a really massive thing to have him around. Yeah, and how did you end over and uh, end up in Toronto anyway in the first place? Uh, he's just a producer who my managers also manage, and uh, yeah, he just I couldn't even tell you. It was probably like two years ago that we worked together yeah. for the first time, but I've been there a bunch of times since. Have yeah. you been working with him since, or have you been working yeah, yeah, loads, him? yeah, probably yeah. more than anybody else. Um, so yeah. in terms of then, uh, you you go out on the road and you do a lot of shows, you get good reaction. Is it nice that you have a real world audience in front of you when you have those numbers are blown up on Spotify? And you're like, what does that even mean? Do you know? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, one hundred percent. And and but also, what's really cool is. 
say Spotify was the thing that kind of kicked off. And so what's great about that is, is it's like millions of people who have just happened upon the songs. Like I didn't do anything else. Like yeah. it wasn't got to do with like, like playing covers online. It, and it was just like the songs I put up got loads of plays. And so it means like when I went to do the first shows in America, I could be comfortable in it because it was just a bunch of people who were there because they heard the songs. I don't have to like, as long as I play those songs and give everything, it's all good. And and that's really comforting because I'm sure it's not often yeah. or it's not always like that for people. And, uh, but yeah, definitely. It's really cool to kind of pass through places and see that this is where like this amount of people are listening to things. And it's you got crazy. that power over me, my mind, everything I hold dear resides in those eyes. You got that power over me, my mind, the only one I know, the only one on my mind. Got that power over me of then songwriting can you do that on the road are you easy to uh, write songs lyrics to you do you take inspiration from do you do any reading or yeah i read i do my best to kind of like stay on top of that because yeah it it's like it's it's so important and then and then in london even like a couple of weeks ago i had a day off and i just like read for a bit went to the cinema went to the museum and tried to kind of get some sort of brain stimulation to try and keep that going because yeah it's so kind of like not repetitive, but like you just like it's so easy to fall into that cycle of just yeah. like gig, venue, chill out, like do this and this. And uh, and so to stay on top of like being creative while you're away. Nah, I haven't like I don't really write in the road that much. I mean, I got notebooks and I write in them, but like I'm not actively like sitting down for two hours a day somewhere with my guitar and doing that like a kind yeah. of like. But uh, what was the last thing you read on that kind of? Uh, I'm currently, I was reading um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It was just like his diary, essentially, that someone published after he died without him wanting it. But uh, it's just, it's really cool, actually, because I was reading um, Shoe Dog, that Phil Knight book, uh, the memoir of the guy who started Nike. And and he was saying it's what he read every day. And it's just a really nice way, even before you play on stage or something, it's a really nice way to kind of center yourself and, and maybe kind of remind yourself that it's not like the biggest deal in the whole world and you're just going out to play songs for an hour and a bit and it's kind of it's a bit grounding in that way it's cool what about locally here then irish wise i mean what's uh what's inspiring you then? um well it's funny because i'm away all the time but one thing we uh when i played the olympia in february i kind of it felt really right and i kind of insisted on having david keenan support because uh I just feel like his stuff is crazy beautiful. Yeah, I was listening to um, the Friar yesterday. The control he's got in his voice is mad. Yeah. So uh, he kind of draws back to uh, the likes of Glenn in lots of ways. Sure. Know? Like yeah. he's, there's a there's a like a lyric, classic lyricist kind of vibe to what he does and his performance as well. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, anything else that you're into at the moment? And like internationally as well? Uh, well, one guy that we see a bunch of is, um, and who was on Jules last week is Sam Fender. We toured with him at the start of the year and he uh, he's kind of, yeah, it's gone from him kind of playing solo support for us to us kind of being afraid to ask him because he's got his own thing, is doing so well. So, yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, he's like, we just kind of love seeing him on the rise. So that's really cool, yeah. Um, well, before I let you go, I want to ask you uh, one harder question. Okay. Maybe um, <laughs> if you were if, what, what, if you were thinking about yourself as a seventeen-year-old, eighteen-year-old, because we talked a lot about new artists and sure, yeah. not announced often about new artists coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you were to give one piece of advice to your own seventeen-year-old self, what would it be, based um, on the experience you have now? Uh, well, I mean, like, well, one thing that pops into my head is like. I've been like flat out doing this now for like, because obviously I've done this since I was 16, but like I spent a lot of years sitting at home hoping I'd like get a support gig in Dublin or stuff like that. So, but like the last two and a half years or whatever has just been like nonstop. And, uh, and you just kind of, I think it's important to just kind of be conscious of the fact that like, especially like I see people who are essentially like alongside me, like say my peers, like the likes of say, like Dean Lewis, Lewis Capaldi and all them, and you see all the work that they're doing. And it's like, so I'm at a point now where if I take time off, like if I take like three days off, I feel kind of uneasy. And so it's funny because if, cause if you want to be like the one to stretch ahead of everybody, I think it just takes like relentless work and then, uh, I'm kind of in the midst of it now, but, but yeah, it's just like, I think you just can't slow down. And also, I mean, like I used to write songs, like maybe a few a year kind of thing sometimes, and it felt great and then some really good stuff showed up, but it feels really nice to just be kind of like nonstop trying and trying and being creative all the time now. So I, I kind of, I'd kind of tell myself that, uh, that, you're going to get nothing without a bunch of hard work, yeah. Yeah, but you still have to give yourself some time off as well. Sure, yeah, and <laughs> you know, your brain has to breathe, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, think so, but but yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, I'll get it when I need it, you know. It's often the idea, like, that, you know, athletes have, uh, you know, built-in time to relax in their, uh, you know, they to recover, essentially, from a big race or whatever. I think about that, yeah. So, so you know, you have to give yourself that time as well. Totally, yeah, but it's funny because I think about that with, say, footballers and stuff, they play, like, two games a week and then if there's three games a week there's like uproar about yeah. like this person doesn't have time and then if you're a musician a gig is essentially your match and you could do like six in a week and that's mad <laughs> yeah, I think it's crazy I think about that sometimes that yeah. it's just like because I think those two careers actually like kind of have a lot of similarities but I, that one popped into my head recently I was like you got like a game a week and when I guess like like the I mean there's just music industry is funny because there's just so many artists like everyone's gigging all yeah. the time and so you end up doing like five or six gigs a week usually those footballers getting paid a lot more though <laughs> yeah that's true yeah so yeah. that's For one gig a week yeah but one thing i always say to new artists as well is like you know it, everything takes longer than you think yeah you know? yeah so you know you've got to do it and keep at it and uh you know believe in yourself and all that as well well you also, totally nothing happens overnight even with yourself you know you were you were doing it a long time yeah that, yeah because so. that's like i i can kind of say what i said but what you said wait like makes tons more sense to just like patience is the kind of key to as long as, you, as long as you're working at your craft i think regularly yeah and as long as you're proud of it because yeah. it'll break your heart if you're not yeah but it, it i actually like i found it 
I found it super easy. I never questioned whether it was going to be okay or not because I didn't actually really care. The music I was putting out, I was really happy with. So yeah. like, and 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 you always kind of like run the risk of sounding cheesy when you're talking about stuff like this. But like, nothing else matters in what we do. So it's like, if you can be proud of what you're putting out, then like. You can't lose. Like, what are you losing on when you're doing that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you can get even a hundred people go to like go to a gig, then and you're, and you can really like feel the songs you're playing when you play them. Then that's all it is. Yeah. Cool. All right, Dara. Thanks so much for coming in and have a good night tonight nice, and Thank the you. rest of your tour. Thank thanks. You. Thank you, Dermot Kennedy, for making the time to talk to us. And uh, we really appreciate it. Like I said, um, he'll be playing the Olympia on the 13th and 14th of May uh, next year. Tickets are on sale Friday, 26th of October. That's tomorrow if you're hearing it on the day that the podcast is released. Uh, and now it's time for Songs of the Week. Um, we have, first of all, for our Songs of the Week, we have the return of an artist who we haven't heard from for a while. But it doesn't sound like much has changed. This is Beirut with Gallipoli. So the That is Gallipoli from Beirut, the uh, project of Zach Condon. That is the uh, title track from his forthcoming fifth studio album, Gallipoli, uh, released on 4AD on February 1st next year. Andrea, you're a Beirut fan, I gather. I'm, yeah, I, I mean, how, how did you know? This, this floats your boat, I presume. <laughs> this, this floats my boat, yeah. Massive, massive Beirut fan um, since Jesus... I'd say flying... Since Jesus. Course. Since Jesus. Oh God, yeah, we, we won't be able to say that next week now. Um, well, since might be able to. We might be able to. Get out and vote, lads. Um, since the Flying Club Cup um, in 2007, um, I've been kind of a very, very big uh, fan of Beirut. And this is great because, like what we were saying about Robin, it's just doing, like it's it's Zach doing what he does best. Um, like there's lovely horns in there. There's lovely organs. Again, there's an interesting kind of swing to it. It sounds generically European. I know that it was like they, they, they were out for a walk and they stumbled upon this place called Gallipoli, Gallipoli, um, which isn't how I pronounced it in my head. 
um, when I first saw it written down. But here we go. Um, and yeah, he wrote the song in one sitting, pausing only to eat, he said, um, which a lot Very of... Very specific thing to share. Yeah, pausing. Uh, what did you eat? Um, but yeah, a, a, a lot of his music is this way where it, it has this sense of just kind of spilling out of him in this very romantic, artistic kind of fashion, which is... Uh, very appealing to me um, <laughs> and yeah very very excited for more of the same I hope um, just Beirut doing what they do how best how did Beirut uh, I can't really remember now uh, third fourth albums how they really sound which one were they called again uh, so there was No 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 in 2015 and The Riptide in 2011 Riptide I remember No 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 doesn't ring uh, No 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 didn't really like it, it I, I liked it um, but it didn't get a whole lot of hype or anything um so it's been it's been a while since they've had an album that's gone down really really well um like the riptide was 2011 so it's yeah it's it, it feels like it's been bloody ages since people have, have been kind of talking about beirut i remember him from when he first appeared and how there was such hype around it, it was blog hype it was that blog hype that yeah. was like he played this gig in new york and then everyone was going insanely uh, insane about it mm-hmm. and then postcards from italy was the song everyone went insane yeah. over yeah uh, which is still an absolutely great song um but it really reminds me of the early days of um, of blogs. I know, me me too, actually. Because <laughs> it's it, a weird thing. Um, like I I got into Beirut sort of in in that way you do, or at least like w- w- when the Flying Club Cup came out, I was sixteen. Um, so it's kind of all, all the music that you're discovering is like very your own, and you you have like this weird sense of ownership over it, and. He's he's one of those people who I'm I'm like no mine <laughs> I I found him he's mine um, and yeah it does it does remind me of that time where I wasn't re- like I, I wasn't reading anything online about music I was reading things in magazines and it it it's 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 nice that there isn't a whole lot of like um, there's a whole lot of deviation from the sound because it it, it holds such nostalgic value for me that I'm like yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean that story following a brass band procession uh, fronted by priests carrying a statue of the town saint through a winding narrow street sounds like that's so dreamy. It sounds like he's he's like I need a story for this. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I need I need a Beirut story for this. It totally oh, fits. Oh no, he's fits wonderful. The, uh, the vibe and uh, his. Uh, his story. I, I am his exact target audience. Like I'm just a sucker for all of that stuff. Absolutely love it. <laughs> okay. Well, that is Beirut. The song is called Gallipoli and from a forthcoming album also called Gallipoli on February 1st, 2019. Our next song is from Friendly Fires. It is called Heaven Let Me In and this is what it sounds like.
So this is the second song we've had from Friendly Fire since they returned. Um, the first song that they released was called Love Like Waves and to me it sounded like a outtake of this, the re- music that they released um, back in the day before they um, disbanded for a while. Mm. So this is much better for me. This is like, oh, it's uh, it's co-produced by Disclosure. Um, and you can tell, right? Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah, but I, I can kind of... I don't mind that. Yeah, no, me neither. It's uh, and I, like their vocals, and he's always had that kind of like uh, a little bit um, more effervescent delivery than some indie musicians that he was associated or the Friendly Fires were associated with back in the day. Sure, and they always had a bit of a dance pop vibe going anyway. Um, but and they could do it live as well. And there's a total Wham vibe to this for me in terms of the vocals. I hear like I hear Wham. Yeah, I hear New George Michael in this. It's cool. <laughs> I, like I, it. I didn't initially, but yeah, I, I I can dig that. Yeah, it's his the 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 vocals on this are lovely. They're really well produced, very kind of clean and sleek and and all that. Like the the whole the whole track is, which is maybe why I'm like yeah, disclosure all over this because it's just so kind of you know. Like, clean I guess um, but yeah this is this is a much better song than the one that they released previously for sure I'm not sure I'd come back to it an awful lot is the only thing I do like the vocals a lot on it though I will say that yeah I, did, I didn't have like a emotional connection to it or anything but it is a good song it sounds great and it it stays in your head <laughs> yeah. which is what you hope for from, from songs from in general songs I guess know, worth yeah. their time yeah this song is worth your time <laughs> um, yeah, that it's is... worth the three and a half minutes or whatever it is <laughs> do we have no. anything else you want to say about Friendly Fires mm, uh, no no that's it um, Friendly Fires I mean their first album was the jam Pala was really good as well mm. uh, and then disappeared so it's kind of nice to have them back but you know um, I hope there's more from yeah, them yeah they're, they're playing some gigs in the UK um, in November and December so I don't know if we're going we're, we're to get a, a gig here but time will tell yeah so our next song is from a Spanish a Catalonian artist um, who is called Rosalia you may have seen her on Jules Holland last week and this is a song called Pienso en tu mira <laughs> favourite new discovery of the last week um, I saw her I think I saw the video about two or two months ago but I didn't really like pay huge attention to it mm. and then she was on Jules last week along with Villagers and a, f- a few other, I think John Grant was on it as well and uh, and I was like oh yeah that's that artist that I saw the video of and I remember the video because 
the videos made by uh, Canada, who have made some of my favorite music videos. You might know some of their previous work. Um, one really notable one is Tame Impala's The Less I Know The Better. Um, they make really colorful, vibrant, interesting videos and really did help. And we've talked before about um, music videos really helping songs. Mm. And in this case, because it's somebody who's singing in Spanish and you don't quite know what they're about, um, uh, the, it, the song and video, the video really helps the song for me. There's, for sure. There's two songs that she has out this year. She has an album coming out uh, in uh, next week, I think, called El Mal Cuera. Um, I don't know what that means, but um, like I don't know what she's singing about at all. No. But the background for her is that she started... Um, as a contemporary flamenco uh, singer. Um, and, you know, flamenco is a very dramatic, intense music. Her first album was called Los Angeles. And uh, basically it was just nothing more than nylon guitar and her very uh, effective voice. And that's a lot of what flamenco is about, the, mm. the drama of it all. Yeah. Um, and But she made these, like, interesting music videos as part of it, which were very much like... Uh, you felt like an impression of an artist who uh, has more to say. So what is interesting about this is um, her new album has kind of switched a little bit and you can hear some R&B and pop in there. Um, definitely some modern R&B sound. This kind of slots right into what's going on in terms of worldwide R&B, which I find really interesting, but it doesn't lose that um, flamenco, mm. kind of the finger clicks and hand claps and stuff like that that's going on. Um, she is seems poised to grow a uh, blow up uh, worldwide at the moment. Grow up um, <laughs> to blow up at the moment. Pharrell is a fan and is working with her. Mm. Pedro Almodovar is also putting her in a film. Um, and her two songs are just really, really interesting. The production on those songs so far have come from talking about uh, blog throwback. Um, mm. El Guincho, who many might remember, a Barcelona artist who um, kind of was big maybe six, seven, eight years ago, um, did a lot of tropical kind of pop music with steel drums and electronic music and uh, it brings a kind of modernity to this music that um, you wouldn't have heard. What I really like about it is that it has, it does bring, doesn't lose that flamenco buzz, but it totally brings in some modern R&B sounds. So, yeah. Dre, what do you think of it? Um, I agree. I think it's, it's interesting that she is... Um she she's sort of doing authentically what pop musicians are appropriating right now. Do you know? So it's it's there's there's obviously an authenticity in like her roots where she's coming from from flamenco music, but that that that, that kind of flamenco style and sound is big in just American pop music right now. So it's it's great that she's just coming up and being like, "Hey, I'm I'm authentic about it. Let's uh, let's yeah. let's do it right. And you do get an impression that if she has a, an intensity because she's a trained flamenco mm. artist in terms of her performance as well. Yeah, yeah. Like she's she she kind of there's nothing to kind of stop her from blowing up. Like she's got a great great music videos behind her. She's got a really cool style. The music video for this song in particular. Uh, we we talked last week about MIA, I yeah. think. Yeah, last week. Um, it's got kind of you know it 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 points to a lot of political kind of issues. We'll say like re- really really recommend watching the video with this. Um, I wasn't floored by the song until I watched it with the video, and 
then after a, a couple more listens, I was like, oh yeah, no, totally on board with this. Um, but yeah, big fan. Really, really recommend uh, ch- checking out this video. I think that's why the video really works as well, because mm. it'd be the unfamiliarity for me for like flamenco style. I wouldn't have gone and said, oh, I really want to listen to this. Yeah. Also, but I don't be, speak Spanish. Yeah, so well, that's yeah, true. I actually don't know what she's singing about yet. There's, so, yeah, um, there's, a, there's a disconnect there that is, you know, I mean, it's it's obviously up to us to go and uh, like in, investigate what the song is about. Um, but it's it's also, there's there's a lot told in in the video itself that, um, yeah, it, get, it gets across a, a, a really interesting political message in a very, very stylish way. And it does draw from the iconography of Spain in lots of ways. There's matadors and uh, there's some truckers and this uh, cofridias. I don't know what they're called, but they, they look in the videos, they are like hooded um, guys who look a bit like KKK kind of people, but they're mm. not. They're it's traditional Spanish dress of some kind. Okay. Um, so there's a callback. There's, there's references there to Spain. And I just think that, you know, um, the artist really gets a good impression because they present my like my favorite music videos are you know and like any good music videos are ones that improve the artist and give you a sense of who they are and you really get a sense of somebody who is uh very cool as well and has is able to adapt the a modern pop vernacular to her own style definitely and that's what i really like about it um, so that's Rosalia. I'll be looking forward to hearing what the album would be like. Um, you mm. can see her. She was on Jewels as well, as I said last week. Uh, but those two songs, Malamente is one of them. And that one is called Pienso en tu Mira. Uh, check them out. That is Rosalia. Our final song of the week. And oh, <laughs> for, it's the for, most <laughs> wonderful time of the year. Yeah, we thought we did. We tried a bit of a curveball. This just came out today. This is from Tyler, the creator from the Grinch soundtrack. Yes, yeah. you heard that right. <laughs> That's Tyler, uh, the creator, and Danny Elfman. <laughs> yes, that features on The Grinch, um, a movie and soundtrack that's coming up. Uh, the album for the movie features uh, Danny Elfman's score, plus uh, 
tunes like uh, Run DMC, Christmas and Halls, Jackie Wilson, The Supremes, Ryan Tessera Orchestra, Nat King Cole and Pentatonics. So I can't wait. And two collaborations between uh, Danny Elfman and Tyler, the creator. Um, if, if you didn't need any more reasons to like Tyler, um, because he's been really on uh, on a on a nice buzz for me and like an honest buzz, mm-hmm. uh, like compared to what he was at like three or four years ago and being kind of racist and misogynistic and, 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 uh, you know, saying some bad trashing things. the world. Yeah. Here he is on, uh, totally fitting into a song that, uh, from a, an animated, uh, or kids movie. Yeah. Basically. Like the, the core, the verses in this sound like, like the doom Christmas album. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, his his flow in in the in the verses sounds like uh uh oh the doom album uh, um, food there's like oh, right, yeah, do yeah, you yeah. know where it's just kind of it's everything is with like the biggest wink and the biggest nod and he's just having so much fun and but I think it's produced really well I love the kids in it yeah. I love the kind of sinister like tones in it it's really cool Go in on, a way Tyler. this is very parallel to um, but even in a, in a more fitting way like Kendrick Lamar did Black Panther soundtrack mm. earlier this year did a great job with a soundtrack this is actually something you could imagine in the movie though for sure know? and it totally fits into that and you're like a few years ago you were like I could never have heard Tyler Gritter Yonkers Tyler Gritter on a kids movie. Totally. <laughs> this yeah, totally this, works. This makes me excited for the movie because like I'm a massive fan of the Jim Carrey one and with this I, I was kind of just letting it pass me by. I was just like, oh, it's another remake. But then off of this, I went and like looked into what's going to be going on in the movie. Angela Lansbury is going to play the mayor of Whoville. Like, as if you had any other reason to to go and see it. Um, 93-year-old Angela Lansbury. Yeah, she's unreal. Legend. Um, and Pharrell Williams is going to narrate it. So ah, it, there's for sure going to be like a lot of, I don't know, like cool hip hop stuff going on <laughs> in this Grinch film because it's 2018 and that makes sense. Yeah. Oh my God. That's actually uh, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> in a strange way. Yeah. It is very exciting. Um, but yeah, what a what a strange, odd and delightful song. Is, to, it, is it like a proper animated film? It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's the, they'll all be just voicing. Um, well, you know, when Angela Lansbury turns up in animated films, uh, it ends up being a classic usually. So yeah, uh, I mean, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. God. Oh, I love her. She's amazing. Um, but yeah, The Grinch. There we go. L- looking forward to Benedict it. Benedict Cumberbatch plays The Grinch. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's out on Jones. the 9th of November. So like we really don't have that long to wait. There you go. Mm. Who knew? Who knew yeah. you'd be looking forward to a Grinch movie? Yeah, it's not even Halloween yet. <laughs> oh no, I sound like those people who are like, oh, the decoration, the decorations are from Brian Thomas already. It's not even Halloween yet. Are they? Oh yeah, yeah. No, every year they go up in August. People Halloween need to get first, over it. Then Christmas. Yeah. All right. Halloween, then my birthday, then Christmas, okay. but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you've been up to this week, Andrea? Um, I've been reading a lot. I read um I read Milkman, which won the Booker Prize, which is very good. And I read Sally Rooney's uh, not conversation with friends, um Normal People. And I've been I watching great, yeah. uh, oh, it's excellent. It's really, really good. Uh, it'll punch you right in the heart. Uh I've been watching the show. That is called uh, Taskmaster. Have you ever watched it? No. It is. It's like one of those um, sort of comedy panel shows, but like actually good. So I watched season one. Um, so it, it, it's basically they just get some comedians to perform tasks over the space of a year. Uh, Tim Key was on it, who I absolutely adore. Uh, Frank Skinner's on it. It's it's great. It's a really really fun like 
not too um not too taxing watch. Uh, it was that or the the spooky Netflix show and uh, I didn't want to be too spooked. Uh, and I watched a few episodes of season one of Stranger Things and my God, is that show great. <laughs> it's just so good. Uh, but yeah, that's all I've been kind of consuming this week. Very good. Um, I have been, well, I went to John Hopkins last Thursday, uh, which was uh, an interesting gig because I've only overseen him at a festival. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, he had visual problems that uh, kind of did affect the vibe of the whole show because oh, it was so I didn't hear this. it was so like people were going insane and then the visuals kind of went off and they had to stop for a bit and I don't know if the vibe ever got back up Okay, if you've seen John Hopkins in the last year it was intensely loud mm. um, it was brilliant and um, really interesting show in Vicar Street but I did, he did suffer a little bit from the fact that that's the such a shame isn't it but they kept like they just kept distracting because it kept going off and mm. then coming back on and then kept saying searching and you're like, ah. Oh, oh, that's so annoying. Yeah, oh God, yeah. Okay. Um, which wasn't great. Um, but uh show was good. Actually, when I was at the Adam Buxton podcast uh, a while back, he had problems with his uh, with his visuals as was, well. Was there a balloon floating around? Uh, there chance? wasn't a freaky balloon floating okay. around though, but I mean, Watch Jesus. out for the freaky balloon. <laughs> Stay yeah. safe, people. <laughs> um, and uh, in preparation for the release of uh, next week, oh, I can't believe it's next week, is the Beastie Boys uh, book is out next week. Whoop, whoop. 600 and something pages featuring all sorts of um, a memoir, essentially, but in you know, in Beastie Boys' own style. It's They're going to be pictures. Pictures and mixtapes okay. and, and uh, words from people like Amy Poller and other randomers. And uh, I'm going to see them have a, do a talk in London at the end of November. Yes. So I've been uh, reading um, the 33 and a third book on Paul's Boutique um, which I had never actually read before so um, and I'm, I also found out that they are going to do an audiobook version of that and I know that because I was listening to um, Mike D's Beats 1 show and what's cool about it was like he was like shouting out Naz he was like Naz come and do your bit for the audiobook so it's like <gasps> it's going to be an audiobook that's going to have guests on it oh, so unreal. it's cool it's going to be good. it's going to be interesting and uh, I don't you are glowing talking about this I was <laughs> Uh, in terms of watching, uh, we mentioned uh, the scary Netflix show, whatever it's yes. called, and then a big man. Been watching the animated TV oh, show. Oh yeah, Mount. I've um, I've been I watched um, a good bit of season one a few weeks ago. It's really good. Yeah. It's like very strange. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, animated show about uh, kids going through puberty with hormone monsters and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it's very good and very funny. It's and, uh, what, uh, what's what's his name? Who I like. Um, What's the name of the comedian that's in it? Oh, it's Nick, Nick Kroll and... Nick Kroll, John Mulaney. John Mulaney, yeah, yeah. He's fabulous, actually. Have you seen his new Netflix special? No. It's no. really good. It's very, very good. Uh, he's he's a great stand-up. He's brilliant. Um, yeah, I I think uh, I I need to dedicate some time this weekend to finish watching Big Mouth, for sure. Okay, well, I have... I, I'm going off tonight to see David Byrne, so we'll yeah. report back on that next Your week. Your foot is out the door. Yeah, um, there's also <laughs> Metropolis this weekend. I'm DJing there, as, I think, Saturday and Sunday at the moment. Um, so do look out for that. We also have Lumo. Um, I have a busy week. Lumo on Saturday, third birthday. We've got Future Proof happening uh, in Bellow Bar tonight, if you're listening on a Thursday, or like Gartland. And one of the artists we'll be finishing with, which is Kit Philippa, and also uh, Gadget on the Cloud. Uh, that's in Bellow Bar. Take us around the door if you want to come down. Uh, it should be a good night. Um, I'm gonna. I'm off to bone up on my um, band names or that bands mm. were formerly known. Yeah, as. that was that was poor show. No, one one uh, Creed were formerly called Naked Toddler. <laughs> <laughs> so there is one. Um, the the band that Radiohead used to be called were called. Uh, on a Friday, which on is one Friday. of the worst names ever. Mm. Insane Clown Posse were called Inner City Posse. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Not and great. 
Uh, Insane Clown Posse is not much better, but I've my own thoughts and feelings about them. Red Hot Cheaper was called Tony Flo and the Miraculously Majestic Masters of Mayhem. That was one of the ones that I was going to pick, and I was like, that's so clearly Red Hot Chili Peppers that yeah. there's no other bands that I could put in there. And Naked Ladies were called Free Beer, which is smart. Yes. Um, um, <laughs> it was like, I think there should be a band called Total, Total Ticket Charge, so you can put it on your ticket. Ah. Um, uh, or, or just Doors, 8 p.m. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> Tell us your band names. Tweet us. I was in a band called the Chewbacca Defense years ago. No, what? Based off the uh, South Park um, uh, episode, yeah. Oh, Chewbacca Defense. I was in a band called uh, Lesbian Seagull. And we covered the Smiths, and I can't believe I've said that Amazing. on a podcast. But yeah, shout out to Keeping those old bad <laughs> bandmates. The air horn's going off. <laughs> um, okay, that's it from us this week. We will leave you with a song from Kit Philippa. This is Human. She is playing tonight in the Bell Bar if you're around on Thursday night. And that is it from us. Bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.